with Gravitas, we're talking about leading beyond hierarchy. So whether you have positional power or not, it's relevant to people. Whether you lead teams of people, whether you lead 10, whether you lead a thousand, or whether you're not leading people specifically, but you're attempting to lead and influence in the room. I'm so excited to have my good friend, Dr. Rebecca Newton, back as an organizational psychologist and a senior visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. Beck has advised leaders and teams in best-in-class companies like Accenture, Coca-Cola, Google, the United Nations, and many, many others. Her book, Authentic Gravitas, Who Stands Out and Why, was published in 2019. And in our conversation today, we talk about what gravitas is, why it's even more important in this hybrid world we find ourselves living in, and practical things that you can do to help increase your own gravitas while still being authentic to who you are. Hey, Beck, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to talk with you. Always on, on my end as well. Uh, okay, so I like to always start these conversations off with a, with a kind of generic question. How would you describe your leadership style? That's such a good question. It's not generic at all. It's wonderful. Okay, I definitely would say affiliative. The people that I lead, I'm friends with, whether that's good or bad, I can't, I can't help it. Um, so affiliative. I'd say probably motivational, enthusiastic. You know, I, I think that's important in leadership. Collaborative. I really believe in bringing people together to tackle things around things. At least I want to be that kind of leader all the time. And again, my goal would be to be a strengths-based leader. I hope that I am, which is helping people play to their strengths and, and bring out the best in them. That really matters to me. Well, I can attest to all of those as I've known you for a long time. Uh, so g give our listeners just a quick sort of hand wave over your career. I know this is always a tough question, but just a couple of minutes, just a quick overview, especially as we lead into the topic that I'm really excited to, to dive into today. Sure. So I am an organizational psychologist. I split my time between academia and practice. So as an academic, I I'm part of the faculty team, a senior visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. I um, lecture in management practice and executive education. I have my PhD is from LSE as well um, in psychology. And I do executive for LSE for various parts of Harvard, a few other business schools, research, write for, you know, some different books and journals and have a business review and things like that. So, so I have an academic hat that I love and then I have a practitioner hat so for the last gosh I don't know I mean at least kind of two decades now I have been a coach and an advisor to leaders in all different industries so I do leadership development programs you know spend a lot of time with leaders in the room working on their development and the founder and CEO of coach advisor and also do organizational culture work so really helping leaders in particular to create the cultures that they want and then executive coaching which i think is a real privilege as well to spend that one-on-one -on -one time with leaders so they're my two hats and things that i absolutely love i love it and that's a, that's a great um, kind of segue into into the conversation today because you're coming at this from really two sides of the house from the the academic perspective but also lots and lots of practical experience lots of conversations lots of real life uh, interactions and examples um so let's let's talk a little bit about the topic of your book authentic gravitas which uh, i obviously enjoyed reading very much i noticed it's on the cover or there's an article 
that you've written that's on the cover of the summer issue of the Harvard Business Review, lots of blogs and things that you've written on. So let's kind of dig into that topic a little bit. What made you want to write a book about authentic gravitas? And perhaps even tell us a little bit about what that actually means. Yeah. Again, good question. I never set out to write a book on gravitas. I That certainly was never on my list. I actually wrote it to support my clients and then people like my clients because time and time again, I would have people say to me in the coaching room, I call it the quiet of the coaching room, when they people know they can trust you, they really open up about what's going on and they'd say to me, Beck or Rebecca, do you know what I really need? I need more gravitas. Or sometimes they had been told that they need gravitas, more gravitas. And we're not just talking about people stepping into leadership or new in their careers here. Like sometimes these are CEOs who have been told, like new to the role, one of the things you need is more gravitas, whatever. So the whole, it, it felt really relevant across industry, across different kind of layers of organizational life and experience. And they'd say, I need more gravitas. And very rarely, could people, or if they'd been told they need more gravitas, nobody had really unpacked what that looks like. It felt very intangible for people. So they had a sense of what they wanted from it, but not knowing exactly what to do or what that would look like. The reason the book is called Authentic Gravitas is that almost every time that sentence would be followed with, but I don't want to pretend to be someone else. Mm. And which I really respect. I think that's, that's a wonderful approach um, for many reasons. So. That's why I wrote the book. And yeah, it's a topic that continues to just be, it's super, super important. So when we talk about gravitas and, and what, how the way that we use it in a business environment, um, I think of as being trusted and respected by the people who you work with inside and outside the organization, mm. that your words carry weight, that your ideas are taken seriously. You know, sometimes I remember being in a boardroom with 12 CPOs and I was there as kind of a contributor thought leader and they had no difference in hierarchy and yet when one of them would speak from different organizations similar size when one would speak everyone would kind of go quiet nobody would people would lean in they wouldn't fill their sentence they wouldn't fill their pauses so it's like what is it about this like why do their words carry so much weight and um, ultimately I think that with Gravitas we're talking about leading beyond hierarchy so whether you have positional power or not, leading through personal power rather than positional power, leading the room even, not just leading people and teams. So so it's relevant to people whether you lead teams of people, whether you lead 10, whether you lead 1,000, or whether you're not leading people specifically, but you're attempting to lead and influence in the room. Right. Well, and since you study this from so many different perspectives, and, and I may be leaving some things out, but it would seem to me like there's a component of believability and, you know, just knowledge. And do I know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That, that makes up part of this. Part of it is maybe behavioral, you know, the way that I behave and the way that I show up and, and, and kind of the presence part of it. Yeah. And then there's the other one, which is, which is maybe sort of, you know, trust that's built over time with both character and a character element um, and a reliability component. What, what, what makes up, you know, I, it seems like at least a couple of those might be hard for someone to sort of just develop uh, maybe, or maybe that's an assumption on my part. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're, those are really interesting points of view. So the, to the credibility piece, I would say yes. 
And I'm sure that you find this, Rohan, that actually the more comfortable people get with their expertise and their and their kind of credibility, the more you feel okay to know that often there is no right answer. People have different points of view and it's okay that I don't know everything. Mm. So I think, you know, getting to that place of kind of, I don't mean comfortable as in cruising because obviously we want to keep pushing forward and learning. It's really important. But comfortable that I bring some perspective based on my experience, based on my studies, based on my background and what I bring to the table and it's okay if that's not fully sufficient. I don't need to be all things to all people because the majority of us work in teams. And so being comfortable to bring your credibility and creating space for other people to bring theirs. So actually, if you're someone who's great at curating space for people to bring their experience and expertise and, and points of view, then that can really be a big part of gravitas as well. So that's one side on the credibility point of view. The, mm-hmm. the more interpersonal side, like trust is made up of two things, right? Competence trust, which we talked about, and interpersonal trust. So there's that kind of personal dynamic. And and absolutely, I mean, I think integrity is such a key part of this, of doing what you'll say or do. It's why authenticity is is such a key component, I think, to gravitas. Because otherwise what we have is what I call kind of surface gravitas, which is like it's the posturing. It's the, oh, I'm you know, the acting of I'm super important and I know that you can't see me talking right now, but I've got like my shoulders back and I'm standing tall and I'm I'm awesome, you know, and everyone watch out. <laughs> Actually, that can flip into what I consider to be adverse gravitas because you can actually shut down other people's contributions. And so the overall output is not as positive as it would be. So so it's it's not posturing by any means. Um, but by the same token, obviously, there's things that we can tweak in our behavior and styles to be more positive and impactful. Um, so on the in- kind of interpersonal side and things, I think one thing that I'd say is that people often can look at others and think, I have to be charismatic, right? So in the book, I talk about the myth of charisma. And now charisma is more closely aligned kind of with personality, so you can anyone can have gravitas regardless of personal style and personality. So the people who I've studied who have gravitas and who others considered to have a high degree of gravitas because it's not binary, right? You don't have gravitas or not. It's how sure. you know in this situation do you have more gravitas? That's not dependent on personality. And the reason that I think you can instinctively see that is if you consider someone, you can think about people who you would describe as charismatic. Some of those people have gravitas and others don't. And yes, they're charismatic, but you wouldn't say they have gravitas. And then equally, there are people who came out in my research who have others considered to have a high degree of gravitas and they wouldn't be described as charismatic. No, that really resonates obviously deeply. And we've known each other for a long time and worked together and just the whole perspective of a team analytics, really, it's behaviors that we can choose and change Yes, um, that can move the needle because there's often, we all have different personalities or we might have different personalities. There's very little correlation between personality and outcome, but there is between the the, cho- the choices I make yes. um, and the things that I do, right? And so that's kind of why I was really fascinated. And, and we've been trying to get, get together for a while to record this, uh, but I think it's very relevant to not only to the people that we work with, but I think anyone in leadership, it's a very empowering message that 
you're you're not just sort of stuck with what you got yeah um and 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 that you can actually do something about it ultimately i think is is such an empowering way to to approach a topic like this which feels very fixed either you have it or you don't yes and do you know what i just was reminded of one of my most powerful professional development moments was actually with a team analytics coach so do you want me to share it i do you know sure. the story? I don't even know if you if you know this, but I I maybe not. <laughs> so, so of all of the things that I you know, in, as someone who lives and works in leadership and professional development, you would expect that I have many experiences like this myself. You know that I have these opportunities, which is amazing. Um, but one of the most powerful professional development moments I've ever had relates to this point around you can choose behaviors. Um, and just the importance of that. And it was in a one-to-one coaching session with the team analytics coach. And so we were going through the profile, your profile, and years ago, but still it resonates with me today, many years ago. And I was actually in Texas. I was I was in, in the office and he said to me, he was going through my profile and everything resonated. And I was like, yes, yes, I can see that. That's interesting. Da, da, da. And then he said to me something like, I, I can't remember the exact phrasing, so this might not be quite what people would expect today, but um, he said to me something like, Beck, the results of your profile suggest that you're stubborn. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. And <laughs> I mean, Ryan, you're laughing because you're so emotionally aware and and so bright. It took me years to realize the irony of my right response, literally years. I said to him, I'm just not stubborn. And he was like, okay, Beck, when you get back to London, where I'm based, he said, I want you to ask some people that you work with to rate you on this. And I went, okay, fine, thinking then I can email you and prove to you that you're wrong. And sure enough, I get back to London. I asked someone I've been working with for years completely out of the blue. We're about to go into a meeting. And I say to her, Sarah, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate me on stubbornness 10? Like not, not a breath between between (laughs) my, my surprise question and her answer. And I mean, it was, it was a terrible moment for me, but what was it's honestly, it completely changed my leadership in that I did not know that I was shutting down conversations in my behavior. Now that's not, that might be, it's the difference between what I call natural and authentic, Mm. right? So my natural style apparently is to push my view quite strongly and firmly and apparently not easily create space for other people to disagree. Apparently. Anyway, so I hear (laughs) my husband be like, yeah, but, um, (laughs) but what was so powerful for me is to understand the difference, right? I talk about authentic being, you know, if we look at what authenticity means, it's about being self-aware. So these processes are so helpful to build our self-awareness, being self-aware, self-regulating, so adapting behaviors to be in line with your values to outwork. Now I teach collaboration. I genuinely believe that difference and diversity leads to better outcomes in an inclusive environment. I genuinely believe that. And yet my behavior wasn't aligned with that. And I was shutting down conversations. Mm. So anyway, thank you. Yeah. So like aligning your, (laughs) no, thank you. That's, that, 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 that's great. Um, And I can relate to a similar experience, which is probably what brought me here and and, and being part of this team and this organization, because that resonated with me as well. But I, I love this element of actually 
and I think you use an example in the, in your book um, of, of like learning a new language. Of, well, of course, you know, n- nobody's going to look at someone learning French for the first time and sort of go, oh my goodness, what are you doing? You know, yeah. how inauthentic of you to, to try to speak a different language. You know, yeah. we're going to encourage them and we're going to actually yeah. admire even the, the fact that someone's taking the time to, to learn a language that to, to communicate with other people. And so I really like that, that example that you used and, and, and almost like what you just said, it can actually, even though it puts you in this vulnerable state of doing something that may feel different or awkward, it actually can better align you with your values of who you want to be and, and even who maybe who you truly are that isn't necessarily coming across, which is a very different way to think about this. Yes. And what we need to do here is to balance the seeming tension between I can have gravitas and be myself, my kind of best authentic self. I don't need to fit a mold. Right, because people who have gravitas don't all look the same in, in terms of how they engage and show up with their world in personality and styles and communication. So I can be myself and at the same time open to change, to learn new things, to adapt my behaviors so that I have this alignment between having the impact that I want to have and the impact that I actually do have. And that's why self-awareness and feedback is so important and to think about how we can all grow and change. Cause we all have this gap between our intention and our impact, right? Mm. So we just need to be mindful of it and be quite thoughtful and, and even courageous sometimes, like you said, in trying out new behaviors, new ways of doing things to have the impact we want. I love it. Well, I, I, I want to ask you about just some practical things that either people listeners can do to grow their own gravitas or if they're you know they've got a direct report or someone on the team that that might need how can how can we best help them but before we go to that question uh just as you've seen this sort of shift to hybrid you know post-covid in in some places some places still kind of wrestling with it but for for all of us we're doing more and more like this i mean you're in london and, and and i'm here in texas right and we're still able to to do this whereas i think years ago we might have had to like fly into the same room um are you seeing more of a need or, or or maybe let me ask the question this way how does that impact when you know from a gravitas perspective if i'm if i'm thousands of miles away and i may may have never met some of the people that i'm working with or only interacting over phone or or video um i'd be interested in in just your perspective as to has that made it harder um have we got to use different tools now to be able to 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 influence people and have that kind of gravitas effect on on others yeah there's two things that i'd say probably to this i mean there's lots of things i could say but let me just focus on two one is to get feedback right so you know we talk about feedback as a gift it's it's awful to get feedback (laughs) it's really encouraging to get great feedback but the question to ask is what could i do differently to be more effective Mm -hmm. right um and actually flip flip and talk to me about this a lot about open the door for feedback Beck, like which is to to say what what else could i do differently right or or what else how else could i bring more of my strengths to the table and and then not justifying it because he talks about that closes the door for feedback right Mm -hmm. so but saying okay that's interesting thanks that's helpful and and i encourage you to ask questions to understand the feedback i have too many clients at different levels of organizational life who either don't get feedback and the more senior they get, they get the less feedback they get. And so they don't get enough feedback. And sometimes the feedback is too generic. 
And so really saying, okay, well, how could I have been more effective in that meeting? What was good and what could I try and do differently next time? So I, I think that's one thing. In hybrid, that really matters because the way that we engage and show up is quite different to how we might read the room, instinctively change things if we're in person. Um, so get virtual feedback as well. Start with those closest to you. Yeah, which is tricky. And, and I think, uh, you know, to, you talk about some of the barriers. It can, it can feel tricky to do that. It can feel easier, at least for me. Maybe I'm more of an extrovert. And so uh, it feels easier for me to give someone feedback in person because it feels yes. less. It feels less kind of planned. You know, we could be driving somewhere. We could be eating lunch. Yes. We could yeah. be leaving a meeting and chatting in the parking lot. And it feels much more natural than, you know, let's say you and I were in a meeting on, on you know, Zoom or whatever. And then I have some feedback for you. And well, now what do I do? Schedule a meeting with you to give you that? You know, it just, it feels like it almost ups the ante. But what I hear you saying is, well, we got to lean into it. And, yeah. and, and especially if we're in a, a hybrid environment, we have to work even harder to make sure that we're getting that feedback and not just assuming, um, yes. you know, hey, because I'm not hearing anything, everything's good. Yes. And so that's true of constructive feedback. It's also true of positive feedback. So I've been really mindful that the kind of encouragement and helping people turn up the dial on their strengths and outworking their strengths better that we're not making time for that either mm. or asking questions. The affirmations and the encouragement yeah. and the appreciation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and sometimes we don't even know what we're doing that is so powerful. And if we're not getting feedback on it, we're, we might not do it as intentionally, you know. So, so it's not just giving kind of critical or tough feedback. It's actually also giving encouraging feedback and to say, when you did this, I noticed a, a change in, in the virtual room. And this had a really positive impact. And that can help people to know because they might have just done it without realizing not being intentional. And even if they were intentional, then it's great to get some encouragement, right? We all need that sometimes. Well, that's a really great tip there, you know, and, and I, I see this a lot where people, when, we, when we're in a coaching in a sort of context, will say, oh, yeah, I appreciate people all the time. I tell them, good job. And, and saying good job versus yeah. what you just said, which was, hey, when you said that or when you did that, I noticed this change and it was a really powerful... That's yes. just night and day from great job, Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Sort of a one, of my, one of my team said that to me. She said, um, Beck, what I'd really, what I really like is when you give me specific feedback because I'm quick to encourage, I think, but that's quite different to saying, Hey, when you did this, this had a positive impact or I really appreciated that. And da, da, da. so, yeah. So that's one thing. The second thing I'd say in this, in this hybrid world is, um, making sure that we are creating time for meaningful connection, mm. right? I think we live in a very, we live in a back-to-back -back world, right? We go from one meeting to another. So that's a bit of a worry anyway. Maybe I will say something on that quickly. Um, but we're not slowing down and in the way that we would if we were pouring coffee or walking out of the room back to the lift together or those kind of things, that or just catching up you know like i have 15 minutes with my team at the start of every day just to check in just to chat mm -hmm. you know and then but with this we have to do the same with our clients with our customers with our stakeholders to not feel that we have to go straight to the agenda but having you know i call it the space in the middle it's not just chat it's not you know we do that we do high level how are you? Great. It's sunny here in London. That never happens. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which is true. Right. It's true. So not small talk, 
straight to agenda, right? Where's the chat in the middle, which is how are things going for you? What is important in your business right now? What's different for you in your team right now? What's mo- what are the most exciting opportunities that you have right now? That kind of stuff that is hard enough to do face-to-face, I think is squished even more. So we have to be quite intentional with that virtually. And then the third thing I wasn't going to say that I am going to say is, you know, we all talk about creating space between meetings and stuff like da-da. I think we at nice, at, we at a minimum need five minutes to get our head in the game just to go, here's the question to ask yourself, right? And I don't mean you, Rohan, because obviously you do it all the time. But I need to ask myself is how do I want the people that I'm about to encounter to think and feel as a result of this encounter with me? Mm. So whether that's my team or whether that's clients or whether that's colleagues, friends, whoever, you know, the question to me is always, and I've got an HBR article on this, what kind of leader do I want to be? We've got to be intentional with that. How am I going to show up? That's not being inauthentic. That's going what matters to me and what impact do I want to have on the people who I'm about to spend time with? And that is more important to ask ourselves as we turn on the virtual room than it is to think about what am I going to say? What do I need to do? Like that stuff will come, but actually being intentional with how we engage and the impact we have and the environment that we create is really important. No, those, and and, and it sounds almost, it sounds easy, you know, hey, get feedback, make some connections and be intentional. Um, but the the level of vulnerability it takes to really get meaningful feedback, to build enough trust where someone is willing to say, like like your friend Sarah was willing to say ten, right? Yeah. She didn't cop out and go, <laughs> oh, I would say a five and a half, yeah. you know. Now, if, if there wasn't enough trust and there wasn't enough relationship, then if they if she didn't sense that you were genuinely interested in her yeah. honest opinion, you would not have got it. You would have got some kind of sandbag uh, uh, answer. And, you know, the intentionality to connect and just and to actually go below the surface and not just stick to the, the weather, which, by the way, is over 100 degrees here this week every day, uh, <laughs> where, you know, just just crazy hot. But but really go deeper than that and show genuine interest and take that time yes. and then to be intentional and not just go on autopilot and use the back to back to back Zoom uh, as, as an excuse. So those are just really hard things um, to actually do on a, on a day to day basis, which I think it's so, you know, the feedback is the only way that I know whether I'm doing that or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. A- a- any other kind of, I know that's a lot right there <laughs> for, for us to work with, but, but what about, you know, maybe some quick tips or, or maybe there is no quick fix to, to building the sense of, of, of gravitas. If you had sort of one piece of advice for someone that's either trying to build this in themselves or in other people, what would that, you know, other than go out and buy your book, which I would highly recommend, by the way, that wasn't the goal of this podcast, <laughs> but I do recommend it. It's very practical. It's not heady and academic. Um, it's full of very relatable, actionable um, things that people can do. So I would, I would obviously recommend that to, to listeners. Um, but what would you say to someone that, that if, if, you know, you had a two minutes with me and I said, Beck, I really want to increase my, my, my level of, of gravitas with my team. The first thing I'd say is often people don't think about gravitas with their team. They think about gravitas in big, scary rooms, right? And even if that's just two people or whatever, but it's, it's, but yeah, it's Mm, how do I, how do I, if, if gravitas is having, being trusted and respected and having this positive impact, regardless of hierarchy, then yes, we should be thinking about it with our teams and with all our kind of stakeholders and the people who we, who we value and we spend time with. Okay. 
high level things, I'd say thinking time, actually carving out some windows for thinking because it's too easy just to rush, right? We start the day, we open email before we get to the office, before we open whatever. We just start doing the work on the way. So true. You know, some really interesting studies on that, just the power of thinking about the day ahead, reflecting at the end of the day, carving out meaningful thinking time. You know, I, I say to my, a lot of my clients that I that I coach, the leaders, I'm like, mm, really your job is thinking and communicating. And they often feel like they don't create any space for thinking. Mm. And so we need to carve out meaningful windows for that. I call it your thought leadership window. And I, it's difficult. I find it difficult. I believe in it and I find it difficult to do. But meaningful time for thinking, both individually and then thinking time with your teams and, and key people. So that's one. Um, I really encourage leaders to make sure that they're bringing vision on a daily basis. I find that we defer too quickly to that's the CEO's job or don't worry, we've got a nice shiny brochure or it says it on our website, what our vision is. Vision and purpose, you know, like we're, we like we didn't talk about generational changes much but or at all, but um, we could spend hours for her. <laughs> you know, we're living in an environment now where people really, our, our teams want a sense of purpose in their work and so I think we need to make sure that as leaders we're bringing the vision into the day-to-day conversation, the purpose into the day-to-day, like, hey, why, why are we doing this? Like what actually, what impact are we trying to have? What difference are we wanting to make? Here's why we're, why we're doing this. And that's particularly true amongst the busyness and amongst the most pressurized moments, mm. which is the times that we tend not to do that. And that's when people really need it. So not just knowing that if you are leading the room, you are bringing vision and a sense of purpose to that and not being afraid to bring that into the conversation regardless of your role. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that I'd say that I have found is that people, when they look at other people who they consider to have a high degree of gravitas, they typically say that, per- that person's really confident. They're really confident. So what I did in the research is then I went and asked those people and those people did not say, I have got it all together. I am mm. winning at life. <laughs> they said things like, I look myself in the, in the mirror in the morning and I give myself a pep talk and I say, you've got this, you can do it. Like they are choosing courage. They are not feeling comfortable all the time. And I actually think, why should we feel comfortable all the time when we're doing new things like when we're stepping into new territory we're taking on more responsibilities we're putting up our hand for things we're saying yes to opportunities in front of us why would we feel when we say we want to be confident what we mean is we want to feel comfortable why why would we we wouldn't and so i have to tell myself and my team reminds me when some opportunities come up and i'm afraid and i say i don't want to go i'm not going <laughs> they say ah beck <laughs> isn't it better that you have to be courageous here, right? You've just got to, to to do it despite that. So we see what we perceive as confidence in other people is actually the outworking of choosing to be courageous. Now we grow into things, we become more comfortable with stuff. Sure. But otherwise what happens is it's a negative spiral of self-talk, a negative self-talk of I'm not confident enough. And that spirals in all kinds of ways that becomes unhelpful. So know that other people are not, confident enough either they're just doing it anyway and then they get more comfortable over time um is quite a game changer for people when thinking about developing gravitas 
you know that that reminds me of a uh, uh, about maybe about fifteen years ago, which was very helpful to me. I had an opportunity to sit next to um, the CEO of a, of a pretty major American airline here uh, in, in the states, one of the one of the big ones, and he made a comment. He, he said he was on the board of a client that I was working with, uh, but he said, "You know, the day that I felt comfortable and prepared to do my job at this airline." was the day I retired Wow! because there was not a single day I felt I was learning new things. I was getting my arms around yes. different challenges and it was, I just constantly felt unprepared yes. for, for what was going on around me um, until, you know, five years into it and I was handing over to my successor and I thought, okay, gosh, if he felt that, um, yeah. that kind of almost gave me permission to, to be okay with that feeling of just what is happening right now. <laughs> How yeah, am I going to handle great. this? It's great. And you know, some of the, the studies suggest that they, they call them the virtuous predictors of leadership effectiveness are actually courage and integrity, mm. not confidence, but courage really plays out as being a predictor of leadership effectiveness. So yeah. Hope that's encouraging for people. Love it, man. Well, we could we could uh, go on and on for for forever, and we'll definitely need to do uh, another one of these and pick on some of these threads that I had to really exercise a lot of self control not to not to ask you about. Uh, so let's go into our rapid fire close questions. Then favorite day of the week? Friday, absolutely. It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> T- texting or talking? Not because I don't love work. Because I have three little kids who just love Friday. Um, yeah. Talking, <laughs> talking as evidence. Friday talking. is talking. Yep. Uh, favorite productivity hack for leaders anything on your to-do list needs time in your diary mm. oh that's good uh, favorite phone app serious app financial times because it means i actually read the paper um <laughs> fun instagram <laughs> <laughs> Love it. most impactful book you've read this year so many love there's a book called resilience Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges. It's by Southwick and Chani, Chini. And there's lots of books on resilience, but this one, Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges, what I love is it looks cross-industry. It is evidence-based and really practical stories, things like that. So I really enjoyed that. Oh, awesome. Thank you for that recommendation. Best advice you've ever been given? (laughs) So much good advice, so many good things. <laughs> Rohan, you have probably contributed to many of those pieces. Uh-huh, thank you. Susan Flippin gave me the best advice. I was like, how am I meant to do this? Like I am a, you know, I have a consultancy, I have this academic life, I have three kids, I have, I play all kinds of roles to different people and I love all those roles. Um, and I was like, Susan, I don't know how to do all of this. And she said to me, I, I was like, how do you do this? I don't know how to do this. And she said, do the things that you love, Beck. essentially like play to your strengths, the things that give you energy, the things that you really bring to the table and bring other people around you who they have different strengths and they have different things that they love and, and really complement that. And I have used that as the basis of the team that I grow since that moment. So helpful. Oh, I love that. No, thank you for sharing that. Well, I've been and blessed to, to work for Susan for uh, more than 15 years now and uh, lots of great advice that she's given me as well that that resonates with. So uh, awesome. Beck, well, thank you. Thank you again for, for being here. Always uh, just very thought-provoking to to hear you share. And I mean, I've, I'm leaving with a lot of great reminders 
uh, around that vulnerability, that intentional connection, which reminds me, we need to connect more often as we well. <laughs> <laughs> and then just really being intentional. Uh, so, you know, thank you for those reminders. Thank you. Thanks for your work. And I would, again, encourage people to uh, to read your book, listen to it on audio, it's, uh, which is what I did. It's a, it's a great listen uh, if, you, if you want to do that through Audible, any of those platforms. Uh, and also catch the summer edition of the uh, Harvard Business Review and uh, uh, you'll get to hear more wisdom from Beck. So thanks again so much. Look forward to next time. Thanks so much, Rohan. Such a pleasure to be with you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Optimize Your Team podcast, head over to our website, teamalytics.com to find out how we can help leaders like you grow your team. Or if you have someone that you'd like to nominate as a guest, send me an email at podcast at teamalytics.com.